You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hello, this is Dr. Penny Chris Etherton, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. Our topic today on Lipid Luminations is risk stratification in familial hypercholesterolemia. Our guest is Dr. Jennifer Robinson, professor in the Departments of Epidemiology and Medicine and director of the Lipid Research Clinic and co-director of the Prevention Intervention Center at the University of Iowa in Iowa City, Iowa. We're recording this interview at the National Lipid Association's 2011 Annual Scientific Sessions, this year being held in New York City. Jennifer, thanks a lot for taking time out of the busy meeting to talk with us about familial hypercholesterolemia. Thank you, Alan. Happy to be here. So this is a topic that obviously is dear to the heart of all of us who treat lipids and probably one of the more underdiagnosed abnormalities in, in the average practice. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what is familial hypercholesterolemia? How should our audience, many of whom are not lipid geeks, you know, identify these patients? And then we'll go into a little bit more detail about risk stratification. Right. So familial hypercholesterolemia it usually is an autosomal dominant disorder. So that means half the family members are affected. That means half the family members will have very, very high cholesterol levels, often in total cholesterol levels, 300, 400. So these people who are at very, very high risk of premature heart attacks and strokes, and really they have a genetic defect that needs to be treated with appropriate cholesterol-lowering therapy. Can you give us a little insight into, for those of us who have patients that have these very high cholesterol levels, LDL over 190, 200, is there a difference in the prognosis for men versus women, for example? And at what age would you think about starting to treat these patients? Well, I think, you know, for the clinician, everybody with an LDL over 190 needs to be treated with lifestyle, certainly, but almost all of them will need drug therapy to get their cholesterol down to a safe level. So regardless of whether or not anybody has a family history, they need to be treated. Obviously, the reason you want to know if somebody has a family history is because then you can say, well, then they need to go get treated too because they can you know, prevent this terrible disease. But basically, the risk factors for a heart attack and stroke in people with you know, very high cholesterol levels are the same as in everybody else. So if they have diabetes, if they're, you know, certainly men are higher than women regardless because I'm not sure what's wrong with men, but they usually have heart attacks 10, 15 years before women. Smoking is absolutely horrendous in people with familial hypercholesterolemia. That's like throwing gasoline on a fire. So these people really need to quit smoking. You know, high blood pressure, so blood pressure needs to be controlled. Diabetes is, you know, a very powerful risk factor too. So really any risk factor that you would consider otherwise is certainly a very powerful driver of early premature onset heart disease in these individuals with familial hypercholesterolemia. So I'll give you a classic case. OB-GYN refers me a 35-year-old woman that they've been basically functioning as the primary care physician for appropriately, and many times they'll screen for cholesterol, and they find that the patient has a cholesterol of 330 and their LDLs 220 and of course there's a moment of panic and they send the patient over. What types of things would you do first of all to make sure it's not something else that it is familial hypercholesterolemia and then uh, how would you determine when to treat and with what agents? Right. So, you know, whenever you have any 
abnormal lab test, you want to verify that it's indeed true. So you'd always retest. But I think, you know, for high cholesterol in men or women, you want to be sure there's no secondary causes. So thyroid is a big one, and particularly in women. Um, and there are, you know, various other, you know, more rare disorders, obstructive liver disease and, and things like that. So you'd want to, you know, do a TSH and a, you know, an ALT and an alkaline phosphatase and a bilirubin, make sure somebody, you know, nephrotic syndrome, typically not doesn't cause the high LDL, but, you know, all the usual secondary things screen for those. And then when you, you know, absolutely confirm that the LDL is indeed elevated as a primary defect, you know, everybody needs to see a dietitian and get counseled on lifestyle. Typically, though, people with the genetic defect they have a genetic defect, and so diet is not really going to have much impact. And this has been shown in clinical trials. Diet doesn't have much impact. It'll maybe lower their LDL about 5%, which is why in our statement we have recommended that all individuals with an LDL over 190, you know, after course of lifestyle, receive statin therapy for cardiovascular risk reduction, you know, prevention. While I said that, you know, risk factors certainly drive sort of the time period of prematurity of the first heart attack. You know, we like to treat women too, even though women with FH, unless they're L now, LDL is the strong driver. So if somebody has a total cholesterol of 400 or an LDL of 300, I don't care if they're male, female, black, red, green, their risk is so horrendously high that they need to get treated. I mean, there's absolutely no question. I don't care what any other risk factors are. But even for women who are otherwise low risk, LDL over 190, we still like to start treatment really at age 20. These are adult guidelines. And because we have the childbearing issue. And so my advice to the women, if I can start at 20, you know, maybe get 10 years of cholesterol lowering, stabilize the plaque that's already developing in their arteries, they can go off the statin during the childbearing years, have absolutely no concerns about the baby, you know, safety, and then go back on when they're done with the childbearing and, you know, pregnancy and lactation and those sorts of things and feel very confident that they had good protection for their arteries and that they can reproduce and, and all those things very safely and just not have those concerns. I know others, you know, are a little bit more aggressive, but I feel like if we start therapy early at 20, we've got a good solid background that, for these people. That's exactly yeah. what I do. And I tell them to go off it when they're thinking about conceiving. Glim and glimmer in daddy's eye. That's <laughs> right. As soon as the breastfeeding's done, they <laughs> can go back on it. Yeah. But yep. what about men? Obviously, we tend to start treatment a little bit younger in the men because they're, they're, at right. least they're... Yeah. Their risk of disease early on, except for women smokers. But uh, now, now the, the pediatric guidelines are, are separate. We started ours at 20, as the ATP 40. But obviously, you base it on the family history. So if there's a very premature onset, you know, family history, I would start even younger. You know, really in the early to late teens, most certainly, especially if the LDL is running in the three or four hundreds, you would and just we treat have pretty that. good yeah. safety data, don't we? About particularly young men and age 12, 13. Yeah, I mean, I think when you kind of get to the the mid early to late teens you know the growth is pretty much done and they turn out to be very safe i don't think you want to use high dose statins i think moderate dose statins and lifestyle are reasonable i hardly ever use a combination of drugs in the kids mostly for safety reasons but and also just sort of adherence you don't you know what could be more horrible than a child having to take you know bile acid sequestrants you know you got enough problems so yeah we're just trying to get up to wear seat belts you know so <laughs> So let's go back to this 35-year-old patient. that I. So now you've identified she's got FH and no secondary causes, and you've discussed treatment. What other things do you tell her as far as family screening, et cetera? Unfortunately, we don't have it set up for 
a thing called cascade screening kind of formally, but obviously you would want to, you know, that would be a, an ideal situation, but you would want the woman to, you know, have all of her siblings, all of her children screen definitely, you know, either in your practice or, or wherever they are. Often you can get permission from the patient to send a letter to them to be a little bit more proactive, you know, with a little information. The nice thing is the National Lipid Association has a nice resource website that the families can use and really engage in sort of the more familial aspect of the disease. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Lipid Illuminations on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown, and joining me to discuss risk stratification and familial hypercholesterolemia is Dr. Jennifer Robinson. Jennifer is director of the Lipid Research Clinic and co-director of the Prevention Intervention Center at the University of Iowa in Iowa City, Iowa. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, initiative by the NLA, which is the initiative to make people more aware of familial hypercholesterolemia. And I've been found, as I mentioned with the earlier case, a lot of times I get referrals of people who are just shocked, oh my God, this patient has really high cholesterol. But very few people actually, other than us lipid geeks, understand that there's a genetic disorder called familial hypercholesterolemia. So I know you have been intimately involved in the program through the NLA. Can you tell us a little bit about what that initiative is and how you hope it'll roll out to our physician colleagues? Well, it's a multi-pronged initiative because this is really a disease that families need to know about and be asked to be screened. And so it's to educate the individuals who have FH as well as their families, really in a you know direct to the patient, a public education initiative. But the second thing is to educate the doctors because so these people come and they say, I want my cholesterol screened. And the doctor says, okay. And then they said, oh, well, you know, it's, you're only 20 and it's, well, even though your LDL is 200, you're okay because, you know, and so and they pat them on the head and send them home with a diet pamphlet, you know, and that's wrong. If we treat people with family high cholesterol starting at a young age, we basically cure them of any of the extra risk due to cholesterol. Their risk is the same as that of a normal person. So this is really life-saving therapy, and we really need to educate individuals to find out if they have it, but then also doctors to treat them aggressively and early. And the drugs we have, the statin drugs, are extremely safe. Many of them now are either generic or will soon be generic very effective drugs, very safe drugs. I mean, small minority people have side effects, but I'd say 99 times out of 100, we can find uh, excellent, well-tolerated, cholesterol-lowering drug regimen for these people that is really potentially life-saving for them. So acknowledging the fact that a lot of our audience are ob general practitioners, primary care physicians who may not have a special interest in lipids, if you were going to succinctly describe here are the criteria that would help you diagnose familial hypercholesterolemia, and these people should have the following things considered. Screen their families, et cetera. What would you recommend to well, the Well, every, every adult, so over you know 18 or, or whatever, should have a fasting lipid panel, and that should be repeated every five years. Now, if somebody has family high cholesterol, you're going to find it at that first test because it doesn't go away. It just gets worse. So everybody, at least every five years and an adult for a fasting lipid panel. So if you're seeing somebody new to your practice and you don't have a cholesterol, you should check one because that needs to be documented. That needs to be part of the record. An LDL of 190 is the break point. Those people all need to be aggressively treated. And if you don't feel comfortable treating them in your practice, then you need to send them to somebody, you know, either a lipid specialist or an internist or, you know, somebody with experience with lipids. Now, for kids, it's a little bit different. If there's a family history of 
early heart disease or high cholesterol, really we recommend cholesterol screening at age two. And really in sort of, you know, the 10 to 12 year old group, if there's not a family history, just every kid between, you know, kind of in that sort of prepubescent year should have at least one cholesterol. And that cut point is 160. So a lot of docs ask me, you're recommending screening kids at two, but then what do you do with the results? So we know that people with familial hypercholesterolemia, at birth they're going to have high cholesterol compared to other babies. So once you have that information in your two-year-old, obviously you're not going to start them on statin therapy. So what do you recommend for the really young patient that now has this diagnosis? The beauty of it is parents bring their kids religiously to the pediatrician. So this is letting you find the parents, and you're going to treat the parents because you would like them to be alive to take care of that little baby. So that's really sort of the fundamental purpose of this. Obviously, the whole family should be engaged in a heart-healthy lifestyle, diet, exercise, and smoking avoidance. Remember, passive smoking is also a risk factor. So if mom or dad smokes, it's bad for the kid too, not just throwing gasoline on the fire, their cholesterol disorder. So And a lot more thought yeah. before you drive through yeah. with that kid I for think, a you quick know, I mean, meal. Every so often, you know, I think a lot of docs and certainly, you know, finding a pediatrician or a pediatric cardiologist with expertise, I I think they really need to at least consult once with somebody like that to find out what the plan should be. Depending on the family history and the level of cholesterol, we may start a low dose of a statin, even in kids in a single digits, you know. But typically we'll wait till, again, they're in the teen years, and for a number of reasons too. And But certainly if there's a very early family history. Sometimes these kids, I have several in my practice, they look a lot like homozygotes because they have a double defect. And that's talking about bad luck. But, you know, they got one from both parents and, and their let levels are really high. Uh, and you definitely want to treat them early with drug therapy. So, Jennifer, we have about one minute left, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about this multi-pronged process that the NLA has engaged in for identifying patients and providing patient information. Tell us what the components are of the NLA initiative. Well, there's certainly a public education campaign. We have a number of media events. We have a book coming out, and all these materials are available through the website, lipid.org people can go on and and learn a lot about this. The NLA is a very active organization in terms of continuing education, and so we have a number of scientific programs around the country to educate physicians, as well as online opportunities and kind of ongoing certification outside of, you know, just attending a meeting. So the doctors can get up to speed as well. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Jennifer Robinson, Director of the Lipid Research Clinic and Co-Director of the Prevention Intervention Center at University of Iowa in Iowa City. Jennifer, thanks a lot for taking time out. I know you're busy at this meeting, and I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with our audience. My pleasure. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.